most wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. AJ Jones. Yes, sir. Look at you. Look at me. I wonder if our listeners can tell there's a difference about this week's episode. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Do you sound different standing up? Uh, I suspect I might sound slightly different just because I'm somewhat uh, in pain. <laughs> so we had a fun week this week. And by fun, I mean... Right. It was a crazy week. So last week we mentioned that AJ's mom took a trip, broke her hip, got taken in for surgery. You could have made a really good rap out of that. Go ahead, try. I don't think that's my gift set. <laughs> okay, never mind. Move on. <laughs> and so AJ flew up to Toronto this week to go see your mom. Yeah. Let's just start there. How, how was it being back in Toronto? Um. Wow. It was good. I mean, I got to see a bunch of people I love, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I got to eat at Swiss Chalet twice. You're so weird. No, I'm not. You just love Swiss Chalet. I love Swiss Chalet. I don't know any Canadians that love Swiss Chalet as much as you do. Um, well, that's possibly true, but... Is it only because you can't have it? I don't know, but I, I think I know lots of Canadians that like Swiss Chalet. John and Carol love Swiss Chalet. All right, move on. Okay. So you went to Swiss Chalet, you had yes. good Thai food, you had good Vietnamese food. I did. And that wasn't the point of your visit, though. Did you get to see your mom? Yes. People were asking me today, how's AJ's mom? And I was like... To be honest, I don't know. I haven't talked to AJ about it. I think she's doing quite well. We've been texting. Uh-huh. And so she's more worried about me uh, and my back and the fact that I've been in bed for the last three days, not right. moving. So let's talk about that. So you're uh, up in Canada. Yeah. And you call me and you're like, babe, I'm, I can't move. Yeah, I couldn't move. And what happened? Well, basically, um, it's, you know, the previous Friday I had done something like I had leaned over and I went, oh oh, that didn't feel good. And I thought, oh, I don't think it's out. I think it's okay, you know? And then, you know, Monday I didn't end up getting to go in and get adjusted or anything because it was like the holiday weekend. Right. And then I flew uh, Tuesday morning. So I flew already feeling a bit sore. Being an economy. Being an economy. Terrible seats. You know, dragging my bag, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then just sleeping in a bed that wasn't my own bed and driving a rental car that had absolutely no back support because it was like an economy car, you know, that kind of stuff. And you said that traffic in Toronto is it, crazier insane. than you could imagine. It's insane. Like, it it was taking me like an hour and a half to go like 20 miles. I mean, like in a car. Yeah. And you're stressed because, you know, you, you don't know what's happening to your mom. Yeah, and I'm stressed because uh, even though it's the city that I know, everything looks different. Like, it, it's... It's crazy, babe. Like if you drive to mom's house, remember how there used to be fields all along Major Mac? No fields. No fields. So it was just, everything was like, just stress. Mm -hmm. So your back goes out. You call me from the airport and apparently Air Canada wants to send you to hospital, not put you on a plane. That's right. Yeah. So when I checked in, uh, because I was having trouble breathing because of where it was out. And so I asked the lady to lift my little carry-on baggage. I said, I can't lift it. My back's out. And then I couldn't even lift my purse or anything. And so she she put me in a wheelchair. The guy that was pushing me in the wheelchair was like, ma'am, I think we need to take you to a hospital, not to a plane. And I said, I just need to get home to Nashville. I have people there that will take care of me. I just need to get home. And he's like, okay. So they you know, they got me on the plane. They carried everything for me. And, um, and then in Chicago, same thing. They sent like a little golf cart guy. And he picked me up and it was like a mile and a half to my gate. So it's a good thing I didn't try and walk that one. Oh, you were pretty mobile. I, oh, I came yeah. and picked you up <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. And then when did you fly back? I flew back on Thursday. And it's now Sunday and you've been in bed nonstop. 
So it is a miracle yeah. you're up on your feet tonight. Yeah. If I, if I had a, I don't know if a camera was me, I would post this to Instagram. AJ, if you can imagine, is standing up in our studio. She, she's standing with one arm on her back. And God bless you. Look at this dedication for podcasting. Yeah, baby. come on. Give Amazing. me some points. But the really cool thing, babe, about all the flight stuff was remember both you and Sarah Jackson texted and said, I'm praying that God sends a friend or something, you know, to help. Mm-hmm. And on the flight from Chicago to Nashville, who was sitting next to me, but Josh X. Our chiropractor friend. Yes. So he, when he got on the flight, he was like right away, like, uh, what's wrong with you? I was like, I think I put my back out. So as soon as we got off the flight, he adjusted me, um, which was, you know, super helpful, obviously. And then our own beloved chiropractor has been making house visits yes. as well as our beloved massage therapist. Is that a correct term? Massage therapist? Well, she is a massage therapist, but now she's trained in something, uh, better, which is like resetting muscles. Like yeah. And she's NST. been doing that nonstop yeah. and yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. It's like on off switches for your muscles. It's pretty wild. So, yeah. yeah. So I've had good care and I think that's probably why I'm up and walking. My my mom texted me last night and she said, "Your my dad's back went out like that. You know, grandpa's back went out like that. And he had to lie in bed for 2 weeks and you just need to listen to whatever they tell you to do." And I'm like, "I am not lying in bed for 2 weeks." No, no but, you are not. I'm you building know. you a pulley to get up. <laughs> Uh, the interesting thing is because your back has been out, I have not been able to sleep in bed with you. No, you haven't, poor thing. Because so, every time the bed moves, I'm in agony. So I'm just like... Oh. Or if I roll over and pull a sheet the wrong way. Yeah. So I've been sleeping on the floor. Yes. Which is is not fun, but I'm getting amazing sleep. I can verify that. I was going to record it for you last night, but I could I could hear you snoring in the bedroom with the door From shut. From the living room? Yes. Oh, I was like, well, amazing. I know he's asleep. But tonight I'm sleeping with MJ. The girls, we have a 10 and 8 year old, they're, they're doing a sleepover in their own rooms. So MJ was like, hey, who's going to do a sleepover with me? And I was like, why am I sleeping on the floor? He's got bunk beds in his room. I'm sleeping in with him. So tonight <laughs> we're going to have a boy sleepover. Well, we're trying to make things fun, aren't we, for vacation. So yeah. they're like, we're on vacation. So they're having a sleepover in their room. So And the other thing is you're supposed to be finishing your third part of your Father Heart series at church. But you, yes. you just were lazy or what was the deal? Yeah, I was just totally lazy. just didn't feel like doing it. Um, no, I can't move my arms. Uh, so even though I'm standing, I can't lift anything. Well, yesterday you couldn't stand up and breathe at the same time. Well, that's true. Yeah. But I, I'm, I can do that for at least 15 or 20 minutes in a row now. So, I mean, Look I'm just... At you. I know, I'm showing off. So proud. <laughs> and so I spoke for you. I, you I spoke. did, and you did a great job. How do you know? You didn't even watch. Well, I did watch. I watched the first service. Yeah, okay. You, you. I'm kind of glad you didn't watch because I said some humorous things in the second service. Oh, well, I, I they're going to upload the video, you know, so I will be able to watch it. You're going to be too busy. I'm now gonna... I'm motivated. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because I was speaking this morning on orphan thinking. Yeah. The stinking thinking that keeps us from walking at Sunship. Which, coincidentally enough, I thought we should talk about tonight on the podcast. Well, alrighty then. And then I have a whole bunch of listeners' questions that are brilliant questions. Oh, good. Give us an overview of the the whole orphan mindset. Um, well, the orphan mindset. Yeah. I mean, we, it's funny because when we first started doing this teaching, you know, most of us are calling it the orphan spirit, but of course it isn't a spirit. It's actually a mindset. It's a, it's a way of thinking. Um, but it's basically living like you don't have a dad, a great dad in heaven that's taking care of you. So you don't realize that you have security and you have love and you have purpose. And so you basically have to fight and strive for everything that you need in life. Here's the funny thing about that, though, babe. 
because I was sharing this morning, I first heard Jack Frost teach this in like, I don't know, 14, 15 years ago, maybe. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, this teaching doesn't apply to me because I know the Bible better than these people. Oh. So what, so what you just said is, it's like that you don't know that you have a loving father, or you don't know you have a good, you know, kind father. And I was like, oh, I can quote all the verses. Right. So when I say no, I mean you live like it's true. And there was a big difference. Right. But here's what I was thinking this morning. It came to me as I was teaching. If you were teaching last week about father types, this mm-hmm. this whole concept that subconsciously we've taken our interactions with our earthly father and we've then overlaid that on our relationship with our heavenly father. For example, if you had a distant father, that's what your model of fathering looks like. So it's all in all likelihood your relationship with your heavenly father is going to be distant and you're not going to think there's anything wrong with that because... That's what fathering is. That's what fathering is. Right. So there's a danger that we could be living with less than Jesus paid for because our norm is normal to us but could be seriously undernourished according to what's available from from Jesus. So, how do you know if you're thinking like an orphan versus thinking like a son? Well, that's a good question. Did you come up with an answer for that question? I did. I said, by AJ's book, she wrote two chapters on it. (laughs) Well, no, seriously. (laughs) Seriously, though, because the danger is we, we, we all have a normal, and it's just good to examine the normal. Is your normal a scriptural normal? Yeah. Or is it just what you have? Because, for example, I used the example of, you know, I, I was kind of facetious. I said, how many of you know those crazy Christians who actually think that God cares about where they park in a parking lot? You know, you've mm-hmm. met those Christians who are like, I have a parking anointing. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. here's the crazy thing about those people is, like, AJ's one of them. You, I am. You actually think that God cares about where you park. He does. And as a result of your belief, you always have amazing parking spots. It's true. It is hysterical it doesn't even i don't i don't even sweat going to the mall on black friday because i know i will have a spot near the door right and my point was to the people who actually believe that god cares about that they see the fruit of it right to the people who think that's dumb they park in like lot f or g and walk all satisfied that see god doesn't care about your parking (laughs) and and that's that's you know here's the thing god does care about little things but if you don't know that you're never going to access that part of his heart and the thing is Parking uh, matters to me. So that's some of it too. It's like there may be, maybe it doesn't matter to you where you park, but it matters to me. And because it matters to me and he's a good dad, it matters to him. Right. Which I can just imagine people freaking out listening to that. Right. I know. I know. (laughs) Well, whatever. (laughs) Here's the other thing. Here's a scriptural example of that. I was thinking about Luke 15, prodigal son. Yeah. Thinking about the older son. Yeah. So, the, you know, part of the concept that people struggle with is, well, how can I have orphan thinking if I'm a son of God? First John 3, verse 1, you know, how great is the love that God has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God and such we are. Right. Right? So we're children of God. We're not orphans. But Jesus told the story of the prodigal son to illustrate even though we are sons, we don't live like it's true. Right. For example, the older brother, he freaks out when the father slaughters the fatted calf for the younger brother. And yes. when the father's like, hey, dude, are you okay? He's like, are you kidding me? This guy who just squanders all his money, you you slaughtered the fat calf. You never even gave me so much as a young goat to celebrate with my friends. And that just instantly gives you an insight into his head. He's like, hey, I've done everything right. I've stayed here. I've slaved for you. I've served you. You never gave me a thing. And so even though he is a son, 
and he's doing the right things, he doesn't think like a son. He's, he still thinks like a slave. Because the father's like, right. my son, I'm always with you and right. everything I have is yours. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, how many of us as Christians don't understand that Jesus bought the form and gave it to us? That everything he has is ours and we're grumbling about what we don't have. Yeah. That's orphan thinking. It's totally orphan thinking. When you were telling that story, I was thinking about, you know, sometimes a really good uh, indication of an orphan thinking moment is when fairness is at play. So as soon as you're throwing the fairness flag, there's something in your heart that believes something that that God isn't going to answer something for you, but has answered it for someone else. Well, it's that whole thing of other people's blessings don't come at the expense of yours. Right. But, but, but if we, you're an orphan, you think it does. Right. If you're an orphan, God has crocodile arms and he only, you know, they're right. really short and he can't get to you. Right. You know, or he likes other people better than you. <laughs> don't go there, baby. <laughs> so there's all kinds of like little heart reactions that are really good indicators that an orphan spirit or an orphan mindset is... Uh, alive and well. So talk to me about this, because I, I said to them this morning, I said, guys, I feel bad that all I'm doing is diagnosing when you might be thinking like an orphan. We need to write a bunch of jokes like, you might be an orphan if... <laughs> I and, have some. <laughs> oh, you do? Oh, I'm sure. But I said, you know, all I'm doing is diagnosing what an orphan is. I'm not actually giving you a solution for that. Right. And I said, part of that is because, you know, you need to get in touch with what you're robbed from. Because if I only give you a solution... To a problem you don't think you have, it's a wasted solution. Right. But let's say sense. we are aware. Let's say we have bought your brilliant book and we have read the chapter, the two chapters on orphan thinking. How do we get out of thinking like an orphan? Well, I think with each situation, like when you realize, oh, I'm having an orphan reaction here. I'm having, I'm engaging in an orphan mind thought process thing, you know, where you go, okay. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me about what I'm believing about God? You know, what am I believing? And then let the, let the Lord help you unwind that. Mm. Does that make sense? You mean it's a slower process than a magic prayer? No, it's, I mean, it isn't a magic prayer. It is literally just in the moment going, wow, I can identify that this thing that I've always thought is normal or whatever is actually an orphan way of thinking. Holy Spirit, will you come and help me with that? Where, you know, where did I get that from? Is there somebody I need to forgive? Right. You know, can you tell me what the truth is that that counters what I've been believing? You know, so you're just asking the Lord to help you with a process of renewing your mind. And Brilliant. Yeah, and 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 then, you know, really the Lord is the one that moves that from your mind to your heart. And when of course when it's in your heart, that's when you live like it's true. Come on, I love it. So. All right, well if you want to catch up on AJ's three-part series on the Father Heart, the last part done by somebody slightly less Canadian than AJ. As a handsome Scottish stand-in. Thank you. You're understudy. Then uh, <laughs> I'll put a look in the show notes. You can watch all three messages from that on Grace Center's website. Are you ready for some listeners' questions? I believe I am. This one's from Becky P. How would you explain the difference between a gift, an anointing, and an impartation? It's a great question. I think in some respect, those terms can be used fairly interchangeably. There's quite a bit of overlap. Right. I think about when Paul says, I think it's Romans, where he says, I long to be with you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. So impartation is this fascinating thing all the way through Scripture found in the Old and in the New Testament, where, where, where God 
or a man or a woman of God imparts to somebody else a gift or an anointing that they have to somebody else. Right. And it's often through the laying on of hands, sometimes through a prophetic word. Like, I've I've been activated in gifts by prophetic words spoken over me. Yeah. And so, I think a gift ranges anywhere from, I mean, I think all gifts come from God, you know, whether that's whether somebody would say, I don't even believe in God, I'm not a Christian, but you recognize there's a musical talent on them or there's an artistic talent, right. I would say that's a gift. It's not something that they worked to get. They've probably most certainly worked to refine and worked to add. Right. I'm a big believer in studying your gift. I think an anointing is, uh, is a gift that required no effort. We're just, we're just I, I don't know. I I think a gift and an anointing can be used interchangeably. I think an impartation is a mechanism for receiving either of those things. Right. I think, too, an anointing sometimes is on a gift, but I don't think all gifts are anointed. Ooh, please to unpack. Well, you know how you there's some people that have a gift for something and they might, for example, you might have two singers. Right. And they both sing the exact same song and it's beautifully sung in both ways or by both people, but with one of them, you f- you feel the impact of it. Like right. You feel the anointing behind right. what they're singing. So I think... That's good. I think sometimes an anointing rides on a gift. I don't think that necessarily because somebody is gifted, they're necessarily anointed. Mm. And sometimes you have people who are anointed amateurs who are not as gifted as a professional. Right. I think about Chris McClarney, right? You know, Chris is somebody who is obviously gifted, Yes. But he's anointed. So when, when Chris just plays an, like an opening chord, uh, it's crazy. There's an anointing on it. Yeah. Somebody else could get up and play the exact same chord and the anointing wouldn't be there, but there is on him. So I don't know, Becky, it's such a great question. It's it's probably worthy of a better answer than the one that we've come up with, but that's my that's my that's my that's my thinking so All right. far. All right, I've got one for you, babe. Mm-hmm. This is from Jill P. She says, hi, Alan AJ. I missed you while you were on hiatus, and I loved listening to your catch-up podcast. Thank you so much. My question is, what is the best ways you've found to deal with things in your heart that are manifesting physically? Ooh, this sounds interesting. I've noticed some extreme emotions in the last few months surrounding specific people and circumstances. And when I look at it logically at these things happening, it doesn't seem that I should be bothered. Ah, the old, why am I reacting to this? This doesn't seem to be bothering my mind. But I am. I've been through enough inner healing to know that these reactions often stem from broken and unhealed places in my heart, but I really don't know what to do about them. I've asked the Holy Spirit to show me what's going on, to help me see it for what it really is, and to show me what I might need to do to heal. I'm also trying not to spend time trying to quote-unquote figure out what my issue is and just allowing him to show me the right timing, but it seems frustrating and is hindering some relationships." Are there things I can do to speed up the process or at least open up myself more to keep from hindering these things from being healed? I hate knowing something isn't right but not being able to fix it. I hate seeing myself react out of a glaringly obvious hurt place but feeling hopeless to change it. Great question, Jill. And probably a feeling slash environment we can all identify with at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think, Jill, it sounds like you're doing all the right things in terms of you know, your end of it, if that makes sense. So you talking to the Holy Spirit, you identifying a reaction that you're like, wow, that's a really big reaction to something that's obviously rooted in something deeper. 
hey, I'm going to talk to Holy Spirit about that. I'm going to ask him to help me out with that and and help you identify stuff. So it sounds like you're doing uh, all of the right things. Um, I, I'm assuming from your question that you feel like your reactions are doing some uh, level of damage in the meantime. Um, so I guess my thought would be to ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that. Like to say, mm-hmm. hey, Holy Spirit, until we have this sorted out, until this is, you know, until we know what the root of this is and it's, you know, dealt with, would you help me manage me? Right. Um, and would you help me to just either not end up in the situations that flare it up or to know what to do when it does flare up? And I'd also encourage you, Jill, that, you know, God never reveals anything in us to make us feel bad. He's merely pointing to the site of the next miracle he wants to do in your life. And so I would encourage you to, it sounds like you've done a lot of processing with the Lord, which is great. I'd encourage you to process that with safe people in your community, your inner healing people, your leaders, your pastor, your small group leader, whoever, and just say, hey, this is coming up because expression reinforces impression. Yeah. If you're feeling something, you can't put your fingers on it. Often, you know, we're our own worst counselors. So actually talking about it, expressing it to somebody else usually gives greater clarity as to what's going on. And, you know, many a time I've just enjoyed sitting down with friends or colleagues and saying, man, this is what's going on. And I'm, I feel stumped. And they're like, oh, have you considered this? I'm like, I, I have not. Like Daniel could interpret the dreams of others, but he couldn't interpret his own dreams. And so, yeah, try sharing that with other people and, and then doing what AJ is saying. But, you know, you're on the right path. You really are. So just, I'm sorry, it's frustrating, but it's onto something. Yeah. And I totally agree with uh Alan, of course, with what he's saying about sharing it in, inside of safe community, because often for me, it's it's those people that provide the key to unlock whatever it is that's going on. Right. Yeah. All right, babe, I have a question for you. This is from Bailey S. Bailey asks, this may be silly, but I have a 10-month-old baby who will be one years old in August. We are first-time parents, and I've had a lot to learn. One thing I want some wisdom about is gift-giving. We want to celebrate our children, make them feel known and loved, but without making them feel like the entire world revolves around them. That sounds bad, but what I mean is that I want them to have perspective and not take it for granted, especially around Christmas time when most people make it about Santa and all of the gifts. We want our children to remember that it's not all about gifts and that there are less fortunate people among us. It may be something silly to spend time thinking about, but I'd love wisdom in this area. Hmm. I think Bailey... If your everyday heart is that your kids would notice what's going on around them and and know that there's people less fortunate and, you know, that kind of stuff that you you're probably not in danger letting them have a day where they're actually celebrated. Right. So it would be different if every day was very insular and they never know about other kids or things that are going on in the world or whatever. And then you celebrate them and they never sort of get that outside perspective. But it sounds like just because that's already on your on your thoughts right. and you don't even have a one-year-old yet. Yep, well done. Um, that probably they're going to be fairly exposed to what's going on around them and you'll be able to have those conversations and talk to them. I do think it's super important to celebrate your kids. I think it speaks messages that to their heart that you know help them through life in terms of just their security level and just knowing that they're important and they're celebrated and they're loved. And so I don't, I don't, for for myself, I probably wouldn't want to uh, make one of my children's 
birthdays about less fortunate people unless that was something that they were choosing to do. Right. Like, so if my daughter, who's maybe a little bit older and a little bit more aware, was like, hey, you know what I would like to do is I would like to give, you know, my birthday money away or I would like to do whatever. That's totally cool. That's something she's choosing, but I'm not going to choose that for her because actually I want to celebrate her. Yeah. I think the same thing, babe. I think if your day-to-day concern is for the well-being of other people and your children aren't insular, one day of celebrating them or two days at Christmas and at, and at birthdays isn't going to be a problem. Plus, when you're one, they're not even going to remember anything. I know you're talking about longer <laughs> term, but yeah. they're not going to remember if you got them a pack of biscuits or a Nintendo Switch, yeah. which you should totally get them a Nintendo and, Switch. And certainly we're like when it comes to Christmas, you know, you, you can't get away from presents are important to kids and, and that needs to be okay, you know, because that's that's exciting. But obviously, you know, as Christians, it's not about Santa Claus for us. It's not, you know, it's about Jesus. It's about what happened. And so you just make sure that you're, you know, in while maintaining fun and celebration, explaining what you're celebrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And in case you're wondering, we told our children from day one that Santa wasn't real. That's true. We did. But we told them not to tell other children in case, you know. So this is Becca G., And her question is, Hi, Alan and AJ. I've been reading through Finding Father, and I really enjoy the journey it's been taking me on. But I find, as I come across the reflection and activation section of the day, that I get stressed when it mentions soaking. I love the idea of soaking and hearing from God clearly. But even when I have felt that I have checked all the boxes to prepare for soaking, it is still hard to quiet my thoughts and connect with God, even though I know He is always with me. I also struggle with laying down to soak because I find myself falling asleep. Do you have any encouragement or advice on how I can better achieve soaking? I do, because... Becca, what you're describing is everything that me and AJ both went through learning to soak. I honestly thought soaking was the biggest waste of time yeah, ever. me too. I was like, what is the point? I'm lying on the floor doing nothing. Do you realize how many other things I could be doing? So part of what's happening is you're just learning a new discipline. Like like anything new that you learn sucks. We're trying to teach our kids how to swim at the moment, and it's just like watching an octopus on crack. It's like terrifying. Yeah, so they look like they're gracefully drowning. Right. <laughs> and so you, whenever you're learning a new thing, learning to drive, learning to bake, you, you're you're constantly in a state of flux because you're thinking, am I doing it right? I don't know. Is it like mirror signal maneuver? And I don't know. Like, and how, do I, how do I fold in egg whites? Is that the same as stirring? And I know I'm going to screw. And you just get, you, you get freaked out. And so the way that goes away is just by continual practice. And I know you're thinking, but if I'm doing it wrong, won't doing more of the same thing, doing it wrong, make it even more wrong? It really doesn't. It all sorts itself out. So like any discipline, it just just needs to be practiced. In terms of not wanting to fall asleep, my encouragement is do it at a time when you'd not normally fall asleep. Right. So if you like typically are tired in the afternoons and could nap, that's not a good soaking time for you. Um, so there's just some things you can do that... Uh, are logical steps that help it be a little bit easier. Uh, one of the things that I tend to do is have a pen and paper or my phone with me to write down a list so that if there's things that are sort of coming to my mind that I think, oh, I should be doing this and now I need to remember that and you know whatever that are distracting me from being able to just be totally peaceful, I just sort of jot them down real fast so that I can get back into a space with the Lord. And also being in an environment that's conducive to your own heart. Like if somebody was 
If I was reading a book about how to communion with God, they're like, go outside and go for a walk in nature and just breathe in, you know, God's beauty. That that right away would just not be good for me because I'd be like, I hate the outdoors. Oh, there's mosquitoes. And oh, it would be humid. perfect for me. And it would be perfect for AJ. So maybe lying down isn't good for you. So find an environment that is good for you and, you know, try that. But stick with it. Just persevere. I think that you're doing great. I think you're... I think your heart to have it work is the key to having it work. I think the Lord's going to honor your diligence and your the efforts you're putting in. All right, baby. The last question for this week is from Lisa D. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Lisa writes this. First and foremost, I absolutely love your podcast and I'm constantly recommending it to others. Thank you so much. appreciate you doing that. I'm writing today because I'm starting a small group with a few women around my age from my church. I've been wanting to read your book, Finding Father, but was curious to find out if you've heard of a small group doing a study with the book. I'll stop there. Have you heard of small groups doing a study with the book? Yes, many. Yeah, from prisons and soccer camps to small groups to home groups. Football teams. Churches, everybody. Yep. All right. Are there any additional resources for a study like that? Can I lead the study if I've not read the book before? I had also remembered hearing a few months ago on your podcast that you would be releasing videos in conjunction with the book. When will the videos be available? And would you recommend waiting for the videos to begin the study? Thanks. Well, those are great questions, Lisa. Um, I think, yes, we have videos that we're currently just finishing up the editing on. Mm -hmm. And uh, we hope to get those out soon. Well, good news is we're about to go on vacation and there's nothing I like to do more on vacation than video editing. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) we've got how many videos, babe? Twelve. They've all been recorded. They've all uh, we've edited two of them we've got another 10 to finish editing and then we need to work out a way for distribution so we do have videos i think if the lisa if the father heart message is new to you it might be good to at least do the book on your own first and let the lord you know sort of talk you through it before you take another group through it or at least be like halfway into the book before you start Mm -hmm. so that you've got a good foundation of where you're going what you're looking at and you can sort of encourage them you know, if they do get stuck about what's coming. Right. Um, but but certainly once the videos come out, that would probably be your most uh, helpful way of leading a group through it uh, because then you don't actually have to teach it yourself. And a good primer might be to watch the last three weeks that you've taught a grace on the Father Heart message. Yeah, that would right help introduction a lot. to the course. Again, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. All right. Well, we are done for this week. As you probably heard me say about two minutes ago, we are on vacation for the next two weeks, baby. Vacation. Whoop, whoop. And ah, so yeah. I think after the last few months that we've had, what with my father passing away, my back going out, your mother falling over and breaking her hip and your back going out, we are ripe for a vacation. <laughs> yes. So we're going to be resting. That means there's going to be no podcast for the next two weeks. We just are looking forward to some uh, downtime. The next episode should be released ready for Monday, the 31st of July. So we hope you enjoy two weeks without our dulcet tones in your ears. Until then, I'm going to post the top 10 episodes of this podcast for all time on our website. Have a look at them if you've missed any Uh, listen to those for the next couple of weeks and we should be back at the end of the month. Sounds perfect. Okay, we pray that you have an incredible two weeks of rest and incredible encounters with the Lord. If you want the show notes for this week's episode, go to alanandaj.com slash 157 and you can find the links to everything we've talked about this week. And if you'd like a copy of Finding Father, AJ's 12-week study guide that we've been talking about tonight, a journey into a deeper revelation of God's love for you, that's also available at our website at alanandaj.com, A-L-Y-N. 
A-N-D-A-J.com. All right, guys. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you in two weeks' time. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone. 